Welcome to Christian Life Church Online Wednesday evening. We are so glad you've joined us. We hope you'll grab your Bible and let's take a few minutes together and worship the Lord in Bible study. Before we do that, let's remember to go to God in prayer. Thank God that God is keeping us safe and taking great care of our church. There's a lot of things that we need to pray for, people who are still sick and need a touch of God in their life. Always remember Brother Clavin, Sister Liz Ship. very important that we pray for them, Brother Austin Eubanks, and of course, Sister Ruth Oglethorpe. These are people that are precious elders of our church that needs our prayers, so we continue to pray and remember them in prayer. Why don't you just, where you are today, take a moment and pray with us. Every need you know and you have, God will take care of that. He's a prayer-answering God. So before we get into our study this evening, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray with me right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to touch every need, O God. We know that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, that you're a prayer-answering God, that you see and you know every need of our lives. I pray for those whom we've called their names. I pray for every unspoken request. I pray you would go into every home, those who are watching this evening, and let your spirit and your power and your presence be upon them today. Bless in the name of Jesus all that we do, and we will always give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And I, there was a great service here on Sunday here in this sanctuary. We'll be doing that again this Sunday at 10 o'clock. I do trust that you will come and enjoy the presence of God. It's time for us to get back to the house of God and begin to worship Him. We'll be making announcements, so watch your, watch your text, and we'll be sending out a letter probably at the end of this week letting you know our future plans upon services, uh, upon youth service, kid life, and upon our normal service here in the sanctuary. I am looking forward to getting back to doing business as usual here at this church with our services, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of you back in the house of God very soon. So thank you for that. Remember, remember to give. We're, we don't have a congregation here this evening, so we give online, and I trust that you will go online and you will give, or either you mail your contributions to this church or bring them by the church. We are here from 9 to 3, Monday through Friday, and uh, there are several ways to give. Go to clcmonroe.org, and there's a place there for you to give, or you can text the word GIVE to this number, 318 301-3601, or you can mail your contributions to 6680 Frontage Road, Monroe, 71202. Thank you. God bless you. I trust that you will be faithful and given. I give, I give honor today to Charlie and Donna Satterfield, who headed up the uh, hurricane relief, and we are trying to help people, especially in the southern part of our state. Churches have been totally wiped out. Families are still without power. Uh, we've, we've taken a lot of things down there, and we're doing that again this week. Several thousand dollars have been put into the relief effort there, 
And thank you, Charlie and Donna, for heading that up. We'll look forward to Sunday to a great time, but until then, let's go to the Word of the Lord now and see what God has to say to us this evening. We have been studying for the last few weeks uh, on the proving grounds. We, we've talked about several things in the beginning weeks, and uh, this will conclude our, our series on the proving grounds. This is a book written by a man by the name of Kevin Gerald who wrote a very, very good book on the testing and the proving of the church and the saints of God. Some of the things that we've looked at over the last few weeks are the test of small things, the motivation test, the credibility test, the wilderness test, the authority test, the warfare test, and the offense test. We're going to look at two more tests this evening that I feel are very pertinent to our time and uh, things that we are always going to be tested by. And one of them is called the test of time. The test of time. The test of time, this test comes to prove your endurance and your patience and your ongoing confidence in various seasons of life. Now, let me tell you about time. Time is no respecter of persons. Uh, time, time can either make you bitter or better. You, some folks are like milk. With time, they get bitter. Some folks are like wine. With time, they get better. So you can choose what you want to be as far as time goes on. Now, time changes a lot of things. Time changes all of us. I looked at my wife a few days ago, and I said, you know, Father Time has no mercy on any of us. Because as we live through time, our bodies wear out. Our hair turns loose and turns gray. Our, uh, our countenance often changes. We look back in time and we, we have a lot of things to, to laugh about. Because we can look at our own photos of times gone by and say, did I really wear that? Did I really fix my hair that way? A lot of things happen over time that change in our lives. And, you know, uh, time, time is also a wonderful thing. It will help you understand that you really didn't need what you wanted or you really may not have gotten what you wanted at the time that you wanted it, but it was probably God's mercy that you didn't. I heard one fellow say that if you want to know what time has done, go back and look at your childhood sweethearts or that boy or girl you dated, and then you'll say, thank God, thank God that I didn't do that. But uh, nevertheless, time is a testing ground. It's a proving ground for people of God. The question is, do we get bitter or do we get better? With time, Jesus said in the NIV, John chapter 7, verse 6, he said, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. Jesus did a lot of good things in his time. He taught his disciples. He healed the sick. He drove demons out. He fed the hungry with miracle bread and fish. He spent time traveling. He spent time staying in one spot. He spent time with the crowd, and then he spent time in solitude and seclusion. He spent time celebrating those he loved and, 
and time mourning for those he lost. He slowed down and took his time, but he also spoke and acted with driving urgency. This is how Jesus spent his time. He spent, watch this now, he spent the last three and a half years of his life revealing his identity as the Son of God. And he spent the first 30 years of his life simply being the son of a carpenter. Ultimately, Jesus passed the test of time and he accomplished everything that he came to do and set out to do here on this earth in just 33 and a half years. So the test of time for you and I will not come to an end until our time is up. But a test of time is a good place to be because it means we still have some time left. It's your time now. It's your turn now. Some people convince themselves, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this when such and such happens. When I get through with school, when I get married, when I buy my first house, when I have this certain job, I'll, I'll take the time then to do this and that and I'll be successful. But that person is failing the test of time because they're still on the sidelines waiting to get in the game. You cannot hesitate. Could I tell you honestly today, time is running out. Time is almost over. The lights of prophecy are blinking everywhere. You can compare the scriptures with your morning paper or the television news or the radio and you can see and hear where we are. So you don't have time to sit in the grandstands and cheer. You don't have time to stay on the sidelines. Your time is right now. You don't have time to live life and wait until something spectacular happens or that great awakening comes. You are currently living time and your greatest potential is right now. So to court, in order to, to pass the test of time, you have to make great use of it right now. The story of Esther in the scripture is a very powerful story. It's a great example of someone who did what she could with what she had when she had the chance. That's where we all need to be. Listen very carefully as, as I give you a, a synopsis of the story of Esther. Early in life, she became an orf orphan. She was raised by an older cousin by the name of Mordecai. She was a beautiful young Jewish woman living in exile in the nation of Persia. Esther, Esther's beauty set her apart. And she was noticed by those who were on assignment to find a new queen for the king of Persia who ruled over 127 provinces. For one year, for one year, Esther went through preparation process where she could meet the king. And he was captured by her beauty and she was ultimately chosen to be the new queen. Esther was a rags-to-riches story, if I could put it that way. Because, but she, she was placed where she was with a purpose because Esther could not have known what was about to happen. But an enemy of her Jewish people 
by the name of Haman would rise in influence and empire. This story is in your Bible. Haman made it his mission to exterminate the Jews from the provinces of Persia. And through manipulation and deception, he started the process of an all-out genocide of the Jewish people. It was in this moment that Mordecai said to Esther, that beautiful queen, he said this in Esther 4.14. He said, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether or not, or, uh, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther embraced her time. It was the moment of her greatest potential. And in doing so, she was able to save her own people. Just like Esther, we are living in the time of our greatest potential. We are living in a time that the Lord has brought us to. These are challenging times. Nobody has ever faced a more challenging time than we're facing right now. Hear me and hear me well. These are different times. These are times with great challenge and yet great potential. What are we going to do with time? It's a test. It's, it's, it's a proving ground. It's to see what we are going to do. You and I cannot do anything about the past, but we can do something about the future. We can't do much about our ancestors. We can have a few, but we can have a huge effect on where our children go and what they do. We can't do anything about history, but there's a lot we can do to influence tomorrow and our own legacy. So the unfolding of your potential Every year, every day, every moment, every hour counts. Time is precious. What are you going to do with the test of time? You know, it's said of a rosebud, and, and roses are, are unique. Valentine's Day florist all over the country. They are constantly looking for roses that are in the unfolding stage. Let me tell you about a rose. There's a poem written many years ago. If I had it today, I would read it. But it talks about the unfolding of a rose. You can't unfold a rose. A rose has to reach its time. A rose must be given time to open, time to process. It, it is a beautiful flower. But if you go before the time is come for that rose to unfold and you start pulling those petals back, you will tear that rose all to pieces. But with the right atmosphere, the right soil, the right amount of water, the unfolding stage will come. And that rose is one of the most beautiful flowers there are. When loved ones hand each other roses on Valentine's Day, the beauty they see are the, are the final results of much nourishment, preparation, and time. Our lives are like roses, but here's what we have to do. We have to take it as potential, and we water, and we plant, and we nourish, and we do the things that God wants us to do. And the Bible, Solomon said it this way, God has made everything beautiful 
in its time. Our time is now to do all that we can for the kingdom of God. We have a window. You know, life is very short. Life is very short. Three score and ten years is promised to a man. And if by reason of strength he live longer, it is a blessing of God. We don't have but a few short years upon this earth. But we must make the best of our time. As a matter of fact, Paul said it this way. He said, redeeming the time. You gotta redeem the time. You gotta make the most of every potential opportunity. Every opportunity is a place that you can make a mark for God in your life. Most people get so distracted with the urgent matters of daily living and they miss the the important opportunity of a lifetime. One of the greatest areas of regret in people's lives is that they spent time doing the wrong things. They never get around to building a strong family or pursuing a spiritual growth that they want or planning for a financial future. They're living for the moment. Could I tell you that time is short and long? You have to live for the now, but you must prepare for tomorrow. The question is, with time, are you getting better? Are you getting bitter? Vision is vital. you got to see past the end of your nose. You can't stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and say, well, it's, this is not really happening. Time has brought so many changes in your world. So many things have gone different than you ever imagined they would be. But passing the test of time will be that you have vision for where, not just today, but for where you want to go. You've got to get it in your mind. You've got to get it in your heart. You've got to think long term. Our mission has to be ultimately to be saved and to save others. People who pass the test of time will always think in the short term and in the long term. These people greatly consider how their thoughts and their words and their actions and their behaviors and choices affect not only today but tomorrow. When you think long term, we're better able to trust God. To trust him. Because here's what happens when you think long term. You understand the scripture. That all things work together for the good to them that love God. And are, and are called according to his purpose. You understand it may not feel good now. It may not be the best right now. But when you think and you have a vision for long term. The time will come that we will hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The Bible, the Bible is full of examples of people who passed the test of time and got through time. Watch Noah and his story. He prepared an ark for a century before the rains began to fall. It took time to get ready for the flood. Look at Abraham and Sarah who waited 25 years for their promised child. Look at Joseph who was in prison for 14 years for a crime he did not commit before God elevated him, elevated him in the land of Egypt. 
Look at David who was called as a young man to be the king over Israel. And it was anointed king. But it was 15 years before David became king. From the time that God called him to the time that he actually became king, it was 15 years. Look at the apostle Paul whose name was Saul of Tarsus who was changed on a Damascus road. He prepared for 15 years before between his calling and his first missionary journey and another five years until he wrote his first New Testament letter. So time is not just now. Time is potential. Time affects people differently. Some people, some people get bitter, but some people get better. And it's your choice today. What are you doing with your time? It's not too late. It's never too late. Somehow we allow history to make us feel like we have a, 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 a never see the future and, and things are so messed up in our life and we're living right now, father right now, but consider the future and consider that time is something that if the Lord tarries and he may or he may not, but we have to make good use of our time. So will you pass the test of time? It's strictly up to you, your attitude, your prayer life, your vision, your commitment, the things that you do now. Consider how they are so that you can do the right thing in days to come. The second test I want to talk about this evening for just a few moments is the test of lordship. The test is the last test that we're going to talk about, the test of lordship. This test occurs when you are in a position or a situation where you must choose to obey God over your personal preference or over your natural instincts. You must choose to obey God. Here's the question I'd like to ask you today. Do you accept that God's way is always right? You know, Jesus, in his, in his last days upon this earth, he had to submit himself. Jesus Christ, we know, was both God and man. There was a God side of him. There was a man side of him. His father was God. His mother was flesh. We know he was 100% God, and yet he was 100% man. But the man side, the flesh side of him, had to submit to the God side. He had to commit, submit to the Spirit. If you follow him through the Garden of Gethsemane, you will hear his prayer when he had to deny his flesh and he had to submit his will to God. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, there needs to be some nevertheless in our lives. He said, if it's possible, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In his humanity, his instincts wanted to get up and walk away from the pain that he was on the way to face. But he knew that the will of God was for that flesh to stay in that garden and pray and overcome. That's why he told three of his disciples, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrow, sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Watch and pray, he told them. His humanity had to submit to the Almighty God. This is the tension 
of the Lordship test. At, the t- at times, God will ask you to do things that run against your own instincts and your own preferences. We must submit ourselves to the Lord. If we choose to ignore the authority of God in our life, we forfeit the blessings of God in our life. Without passing the Lordship test, hear me now, you will never be able to fulfill what God has created and called you to do. The Lordship test is saying, God, not my will. I'm willing to do. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to go. The Lordship test is what proves whether or not you will allow God to be the leader of your life every single day. You got to trust him. You got to trust him. You got, my dad always said this, when you can't track God, you trust him. When you get to a place you don't understand why you are where you are, trust God. Let me tell you, if you're living your life for God, you have to, he has to become the Lord of your life. And sometimes things are uncomfortable. When we're in a panic, God is never in a panic. When we're in a pandemic, God's not in a panic. Let me hear you today. Let me see you today. Believe that God is, is in control of everything. When we feel the pressure from our culture and from compromise, and we're, we're pushed to compromise, God is uh, as stable. He never changes. <coughs> Pardon me. But God is still God. He's God yesterday, today, and forever. And so we learn to trust him. He's not run out of the capacity to work a miracle. man told me on the phone just this morning, he had spoke with a, the wife of a, of, a, of a man that was in very critical condition. And the wife just, I guess she had given up hope. She said, he's gone. He's, she, he said, well, is he still breathing? Is he still? Yes, but he's gone. There's no hope. Let me tell you something. There's always hope in God. There's always hope when you put your trust in him. It doesn't matter what the world says or what everybody else says. When God becomes the Lord of your life and you learn to trust him, you can trust him through thick and thin, through mountain and valley, every situation, all the time. He's the Lord of your life. He's Lord when you're doing good. He's Lord when you're doing bad. He's Lord when you're up against the trouble in your life. You see, our, our culture is spinning out of control. Our world seems to be spinning out of control. But guess what? God's still in control. That's what I love about being a child of God. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. When you're a child of God, your trust is in him. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's still in control. And even in times like these, we can trust his plan and his promise for God's will. God's will for his people is for his people to align with his will. Did you hear me? God's will. We sometimes say, oh God, come, come rain on us and come bless us. And, and what we need to say is, Lord, let me find where you are and let me be in your presence and let me submit to your will. When the going gets tough, 
It is easy to fall back to what is normal in our humanity. It's easy to fall back into living and thinking just like the world. But part of pleasing and passing the lordship test is looking beyond the battle that we are in right now and seeing the battle that we can't see. We gotta look forward. We need to discern when there are spirits at work behind the scenes. Did you hear what I said? You gotta learn to discern the spirits in your life. Paul said this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're fighting spirits. There's so many spirits prevalent in our world today, but God's spirit is greater than the spirits of this old world. There are very real forces that you're facing every day. I talked about it. A few weeks ago when I talked about the warfare test, we're fighting against spirits, not flesh and blood, against spirit. But God has the way and the right way. The Bible said in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Just get in the book. Just trust in God. Just let him become the Lord of your life. When the kids are sick and when the money is has gone and the bank accounts dry when the job is crumbling when it seems like the world is fall he's lord in your life turn to him how do you pass the test you lean away from trusting in yourself and trusting in men and you start trusting in god here's what proverbs said the wise men wrote it in proverbs 3 and 5 and verse 6 trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That's when he becomes the Lord of your life. Trust in him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Let me tell you, we are carnal flesh and our carnal flesh will lead us wrong sometime. Our instincts are not always right. Our thinking is not always good, but the Lord of our life can take over and we can trust him and we can walk with him. Are you passing the Lordship test? Is he Lord in your life? Let me give you one other thing to think about here. The Bible said in Deuteronomy chapter 28, watch this, verse one. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So there's blessings with him being the Lord of our life. And I want to point out Five blessings before I close today when he becomes the Lord of your life. 
This is all in Deuteronomy. In verse 3, I read to you verses 1 and 2. He said, these blessings are come upon you if you obey the voice of God. If he becomes your Lord and you're following him, this is what he told Israel. But here's what he said. The first blessing is, I'll give you blessings on your journey. Deuteronomy 28 and 3 said, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. I'm going to take care of you wherever you go. That's a blessing. The second blessing is on your descendants. In verse 4 it said, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. Your children's going to be blessed when God becomes the Lord of your life. Number three, blessings on your possessions. Deuteronomy 28 and 4 said, blessed shall be the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Your possessions are going to be blessed when he's Lord of your life. When he, you put it in his hands and you follow him, he said, I'm going to bless your journey. I'm going to bless your descendants. I'm going to bless your possessions. The fourth thing he said is I'm going to bless your battles. The seventh verse said the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. In other words, God will fight your battles. Your battles are going to be blessed. Your spiritual battles. In this old world, God's going to handle them for you. And as far as that goes, any other battle you have, you turn it over to God. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. There's blessings in your battles when he becomes the Lord of your life. And last but not least, he blesses your finances. The Bible said in verse 8 of Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land and the Lord your God is giving you. He's going to bless you in the land that he's going to give you. He's going to bless you financially. So why don't you just say, Lord, you are the Lord of my life. I'm going to trust you. I'm not trusting me. I'm not trusting my instinct. I'm trusting you. I'm standing upon your word. And then your descendants are going to be blessed. Your journey's going to be blessed. Your possessions are going to be blessed. Your battle's going to be blessed. And your finances are going to be blessed. That's passing the lordship test. If you have something that you're serving more than God, then the Lord is not the Lord of your life. Jesus Christ must be the front and the center of all that we do. He must be ultimate in our life. That's when you serve him and he becomes the Lord of your life. I cannot tell you how many times as a, as a child of God, through all the years that I've known the Lord, I cannot tell you. I've served God now. I've, I, I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old. I've been in the church all my life, but I've had the Holy Ghost for 60 years. Have I made mistakes? You better believe it. More than I want to talk about, but I've always made him the Lord of my life. He's the Lord when I give. He's the Lord of my life whenever I, whatever I serve and whatever I do. Every day, he's the center and the circumference of my life. I don't put him on the back burner. I want to know his will for me. I want to walk in his, in his footsteps. I want to do 
what his word says to do. So what I'm telling you is this. I'm, I'm proving that the lordship in, in your life. If Jesus is Lord in your life, all these other things are going to be taken care of because you're his child and he loves you and he wants to take care of you. Thank you today for staying with us, for worshiping with us on this Wednesday evening. I hope you pass the test of time, and I hope you pass the test of lordship in your life. If you pass these things, all the tests that we've talked about, you'll be a better man. It's proven grounds. It's not, it's not to make you backslide. It's not to drive you away. When you come to these times of warfare and motivation and credibility and small things and offense and time, all these things that we've talked about, and when you pass them one by one, you are doing nothing less than making yourself a better Christian and a better child of God. God bless you today. I hope you'll join us Sunday. We're going to have a tremendous time of worship Please come. The doors open at 940. We're still trying to do our best to social distance. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Whatever you can do to get here. Get away from everybody if you need to. We, I, I told our staff this morning, I'm, I'm really tired of not being able to have the kind of church that we're used to having. But I want you to know we've done our very best to do things right. And we're going to continue to do that. Pray for our land. Pray for our governor. Pray for our authorities. Pray for everything around you. And let's let Jesus be the Lord of all. God bless you today. I hope to see you Sunday morning in the house of God, 10 o'clock sharp. May God bless you. Have a good evening.